Hi friends, and thanks for hanging out with me here at Chronicles in Season 2. God has been so faithful to speak to me, and I pray that what He gives me encourages you. Don't forget to share this episode and others with a friend from wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, if you have time, take a quick second to leave me a review. It really helps get the channel out to more people. Also, check out my website at chronicles21.com. Each episode is posted there along with my blogs and about me and contact page and addiction recovery resources. So check it out today. I love you friends, but guess what? Jesus loves you enough to die for you. I pray that you are walking in that truth today. Now, on to today's message. Hey y'all, and welcome to another Monday message here at Chronicles. I am Amanda, your host, and today is Monday, October 23rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me. Last week, I talked to y'all about how we are made in the image of God based on this new Bible study I am doing that takes me through the Bible chronologically. I've completed a bit more than a week in this study, and it's been so good. Y'all, so if you haven't listened to last week's message titled In His Image, go back and do that before you hear today's because today I'm going to share a bit more of what I've learned over the last week from this study, what the Lord has revealed to me about my own life. So it was perfect in the garden there at the beginning. Humanity was perfect with only one rule there in that place of perfection. In Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. That seems to me like a pretty simple bit of instruction, don't you think? But it proved to be quite a difficult bit of instruction to adhere to because we see in just the next chapter how easy it was for God's beautiful and perfect creation to be convinced to disobey. That's what I want to talk about today, obedience, because this particular subject has been heavy on my heart lately for my own personal reasons. Reasons that me and God have gone round and round about for more than six months, y'all. But I want to show you today how important our obedience to God is. We live in the world. The same world that influences us daily with all the feel-good, look-good temptations. And friends, it started at the beginning. Today's world is not new to God. Look here with me at Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. 
She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. I feel like saying, you had one job and one rule. Live in perfection with God, walking with you, and don't eat from that tree. That's it. That's all you had to do. What was so hard? Our five senses can get us in trouble, friends, along with the very thing that threw Satan out of heaven, our pride. Eve saw that the fruit looked tasty and it was pretty and it would make her wise, right? All very good reasons in her eyes to eat of it and surely, surely God wanted good things for her, right? Surely he wouldn't withhold this kind of pleasure from his creation, surely not. At least that's what Satan wanted her to believe and she bought it, hook, line, and sinker. So then Adam ate of it too. Incidentally, I noticed something else further along in chapter 3. Not only did sin enter at this particular point, but so did the blame game. In verse 11, it says that God asked Adam if he had eaten from the tree. And look at verse 12 and 13. Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Both of these things may have been true, but here's the thing. God gave man a choice from the very beginning, and both of them chose to disobey. Both of them chose to do exactly what God said not to do, and neither of them took responsibility for making the wrong choice. What was their consequence? Well, it gives us a rundown further along in chapter 3. God curses the serpent first, then proceeds with the consequences for the man and woman individually. The worst part for me would have been the banishment from the garden, banished from the presence of God, all from a choice to disobey. And look around you, wherever you are right now, and consider the lasting consequences their choices had on humanity as a whole. Mankind became so wicked and evil that God wanted to wipe out the entire earth in chapter 6 in Genesis. This particular portion of scripture makes my heart ache because of what God said about mankind. I always think, what if he said that about me? Chapter 6 verses 5 through 7 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I hate the thought of grieving the heart of God. And that particular line in that verse reminds me of my grandfather. I know my grandfather wasn't God, but he was the closest thing to being like Jesus than any man I've ever known. I know I grieved my grandfather's heart. So imagine if we can grieve the heart of a father here, how much more the father who created us is grieved when we choose any other way than the way he's offering us through his son Jesus. Y'all, this way requires obedience, just like Noah demonstrates to us in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. 
God said, that's it. We are starting over. We're getting rid of all of it, everyone, everything. But then there was Noah, a righteous and just man who it says walked with God. What does that mean? It means he did what was right in God's sight. He fellowshiped with God. He was obedient. Genesis 6.22 says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. I bet you he wondered to himself, Why in the world am I building this big boat? Why is God using me? People are going to think I'm crazy. But he did it anyway. And he and his family were saved, right? Check out those three chapters in Genesis and see for yourself. My point is he was obedient without questioning God or running first like Jonah did or requiring a full explanation or understanding of what God was going to do and how he was going to do it like most of us do. Here's my point today, friends. I've showed you only two of the countless stories in the Bible where the main premise of it is being obedient to something God has said. And both stories had some sort of effect on generations. Maybe it seems silly to be forbidden to eat a piece of fruit from a tree, but it was a command from God. And it had massive implications for humanity the moment disobedience was a response to that command from God. It might seem crazy to build a ginormous boat and put two of every living thing on it along with one family and then wait for God to bring the flood and take it away again. But because of Noah's obedience, his family was spared and a covenant was made between God and mankind at the end of it to never again destroy every living thing. You know, as I sat here taking my notes, I began to wonder what the difference was in these two, Adam and Noah. Their stories are so close together in the Bible, and they both made such opposite choices in response to something God asked of them. Why? Adam lived in perfection. There was no evil, no shame. God walked in the very same garden that he did. Yet he and Eve chose to do what God said not to. The only thing God said not to. You can have everything else except this one thing. And they couldn't do it. Noah, on the other hand, was surrounded by sin, by evil, which is why he was building the ark to begin with. Because God wanted to do away with all the evil. Yet Noah walked with God in such a way that he was seen as righteous and just before God. What was the difference in these two men? I don't think it had anything to do with who was living in more perfect conditions, but it had everything to do with their obedience to God. Their heart towards God, maybe? Any of my theologian listeners, please contact me if you can help me with this particular question. Friends, I just want to encourage you that whatever God is asking you to do or not to do, please understand that he has a purpose for it. I don't believe for a second that he asks any of us to do something for nothing. Remember, he can see the end from the beginning. We cannot. 
No matter how significant or insignificant you think what he's calling you to is, it is part of a plan that is far bigger than you and I could ever see. It doesn't matter if it's something big like ministry or something that seems small to you like talking to a friend about Jesus. If God directs you to do it, it's best just to do it. We don't know what or who might be at risk if we disobey. Same goes for something he asks us not to do. Temptation is real, friends. It was real in the garden, and it's even more real today. You know, about six months ago, God asked me to give up something that I really liked. And for six months now, I've held on to it despite knowing in my heart that he asked me to let it go. I have been blatantly disobedient. And for that same amount of time, I have wrestled terribly in my prayer time. I have said to God over and over, I don't want to. I am not ready. Why does it matter so much to you, Lord? Tell me why I have to give it up. Give me a good reason and then I will. Tell me some of you haven't had this same conversation with God. Now, I know some of the practical reasons he made this request of me, but I also have a knowing that holding on to it would have kept me here at a plateau level in my relationship with him. I have this knowing that God has much further to take me on this journey with him, doing work for his kingdom, and I wasn't going anywhere hanging on to this thing. I don't know what that will look like. I don't necessarily see the consequences my disobedience for that six-month period has had, except that I delayed what he's trying to do. And who that affected? Maybe just me, but in God's economy, I highly doubt that. I don't know. But yesterday morning on October 22nd, 2023, I gave it up, this thing. I feel like Jonah, who finally got spit up onto the beach by the big fish after three days in its belly. I get it now. I get that I don't have to understand why God is asking me to do or not do something. I just have to trust that he has a good reason. And I don't always have to know every detail. Y'all, I'm clearly not done with this subject. I have so much more I can say, but not enough time to do it this week. So meet me back here next week for some more on this topic of obedience. For now, let me pray for us today. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are so patient with me. And I know I've delayed what you want to do in my life by not being obedient sooner. Please help me to truly let this thing go, to put it down and never pick it up again. Lord, help me to boast in my weakness in this area and allow you to be my strength. Help me to trust you and your plan and your reasons for instructing me to let go. Give me a boldness like Paul who rejoiced in his weaknesses. Give me the same confidence that when I am weak, you are strong. Thank you, Lord, because I know you will do it. I pray also for my listening friends who might be struggling with being obedient to something you have asked of them, Lord. Give them strength to obey even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when the world is looking at them like they are crazy. Help us trust your ways, Lord, because they are higher than ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, 
like I said, come back next week I because I have more on this. Next week, I want to talk more about the one who was obedient unto death, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. Until next time, this has been Amanda at Chronicles. See ya. for listening friends if you've been encouraged by this channel please leave me a review so that this message and others can reach more people who need the same encouragement i love y'all and i'll see you next time